You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Husky schneider This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Later in the program, we have the November edition of Civic Conversations, a monthly podcast collaboration between WFHB and the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County. In today's episode, host Jim Allison speaks with Indiana Congressman Lee Hamilton about the current status of our democracy. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we provide a rundown of all the latest news on the state level. That's coming up in your next State House Roundup. From WFHB, this is the State House Roundup for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. I'm Benedict Jones. GOP Senator Mike Braun faces accusations that he illegally loaned his 2018 campaign millions of dollars from his company. The accusations come after a Federal Election Commission's memorandum and draft audit last week, according to a report by the Indy Star. State Democrats claim that Braun, quote, broke the law and stole a United States seat in 2018, end quote. In 2018, Braun ran against then-Senator Joe Donnelly in a tight race. At the time, Braun's ability to self-finance his campaign was viewed as an advantage. Since that election, no Democrat has held statewide office in Indiana. Braun denies that his campaign did anything improper. His campaign responded to the FEC that all the loan contributions were made legally. According to state health officials, four out of 10 Indiana adults are not fully vaccinated against COVID-19. On Friday, the Indiana State Department of Health reported that nearly 60% of Indiana residents ages 18 and older are fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, the Joe Biden administration has announced it will require a vaccine mandate for all state and local governments and businesses with over 100 employees. The vaccine mandate would apply to Indiana. However, Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita announced he would file a lawsuit in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals against the federal government over the vaccine mandate for large employers. Rokita said in a statement last Thursday, quote, This is a direct attack on states' rights. This is a direct attack on individual liberties and freedom, and it's an overreach of the federal government, end quote. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb says that he supports the lawsuit. Holcomb directed the Indiana Department of Labor to work together with Rokita on the lawsuit. In a statement, Holcomb said, quote, while I agree that the vaccine is the tool that will best protect against COVID-19, this federal government approach is unprecedented and will bring about harmful unintended consequences in the supply chain and the workforce, end quote. If proven successful against the lawsuit, workers would have until January 4th of next year to get vaccinated or deal with weekly testing. Earlier this week, the Indiana Democratic Party announced that it wants to legalize recreational cannabis. The idea of cannabis reform becomes increasingly more relevant as neighboring states Illinois and Michigan 
have legalized recreational marijuana. Meanwhile, Indiana residents flock to nearby states to buy legal pot. According to a WTHR report, on a business day in February of last year, 19 of the 26 vehicles parked outside a dispensary in Niles, Michigan, had Indiana license plates. In a press release on Monday, Indiana Democrats pointed to a 2018 Hoosier survey poll, which said about 80% of Indiana residents support some form of cannabis legalization. State Democrats hope to capitalize on bipartisan support to pass the measure in 2022. Mike Schmull, chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party, said this week, quote, the Republican supermajority at the state house is losing its economic common sense if they do not join Democrats this session in making this an opportunity for the Hoosier state, end quote. Given Governor Eric Holcomb's opposition to legalizing cannabis and the state house's reluctance to pass any cannabis reform, only time will tell how this issue plays out in the coming session. That's all for the State House Roundup. For WFHB News, I'm Benedict Jones. On November 15th, at the Bloomington Redevelopment Commission, the Housing and Neighborhood Development Department Director John Zodi explained additional funds requested for emergency home repairs. The hand administers the emergency home repair program is funded by the community development block grant, uh, federal program. And on occasion, uh, we get uh, repairs that uh, are that, that come in that are quoted um, ahead of the cap that are allowed that is allowed in the program guidelines. In this case, for a manufactured or mobile home, it's is uh, $3,500 is the cap that is allowed for repair for emergency repair. And we have two households in need that we are asking your approval to um, exceed those caps. Um, one mobile home uh, requires um, uh, replacement, basically the subfloor. Uh, there's been some plumbing leaking and uh, with that uh, home uh, livable, um, it would require uh, about $4,700 in repairs. Um, so it would be an additional $1,600. Um, the second household uh, is in need of a new HVAC system. Uh, and so, as we are heading into the cold months here, we believe this is a, um, a, a proper use of the, of, uh, the excess and regulation, if you will. So, we're asking you to approve um, an additional amount of money to uh, make those repairs for those two uh, mobile homes. He said that similar requests were approved in the years past and added that cost caps might need to be reevaluated in the future since the cost of materials has increased over the years. Commission member Deborah Meyerson asked if there was any reason an 80% efficient HVAC system had been proposed or if investing in a better unit would ensure savings in the future. And the reason I ask is because obviously uh, greater efficiency is going to be lower utility costs, and that's an important resource that would hopefully pay off on the longer term um sure. anyway so just it seems like that would be a worthwhile consideration zodi said he wasn't sure why it was set to be 80 percent efficient but he could look into it for the next meeting however commission member david walter said waiting until next week to make a decision would leave this house without heat and reminded the commission it is starting to get cold to mitigate waiting, the commission discussed approving funding for a more efficient system as long as it did not exceed an extra $1,000. The commission unanimously approved the emergency funding for both home repairs. 
The next Bloomington Redevelopment Commission meeting will be held on December 6th. Up next, we have Civic Conversations, a monthly podcast collaboration between WFHB and the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County. In today's episode, host Jim Allison speaks with Indiana Congressman Lee Hamilton about the current status of our democracy. Listening to Civic Conversations, a podcast collaboration between the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County, and WFHB. I'm Jim Allison, your host, and Becky Hill is our producer. We're pleased to say you can find Civic Conversations every month on WFHB at 93.1 and 98.1 FM. Today, we welcome Indiana Congressman Lee Hamilton to talk about the current status of our democracy. Congressman Hamilton, thanks very much for being here today. I'm very pleased to be with you. Thank you. Let's open with a rather somber topic, the death of democracies. Some authorities think that democracies die very slowly with their norms and guardrails steadily eroded over time. They don't just suddenly fall all all of a sudden. Do you think this is what we're seeing now, an erosion of the norms and guardrails of our own American democracy? What do you think about that? Look, I don't think democracy is going to die. I don't agree with those people who are predicting that our democracy will cease to exist. Now, is it under stress at times? Yes. Is it always healthy? Rarely. But sometimes it is, sometimes much less so. The real challenge for all of us is to make sure that this system of government, Republican representative, uh, democracy works. And uh, we can be optimistic about that. It has been working for over 200 years. It has served this nation exceedingly well. We've gone through civil wars, several world wars, and all kinds of depressions and prosperity. We've had all kinds of challenges, including uh, the health care challenges we've had in recent years. The point is that it's hard to make a democracy work, but we can do it. We know we can do it. We have done it. We must do it, and we will do it. We have to have that confidence. You have to have an underlying confidence in the system, or you're going to be in trouble. Now, that doesn't mean we don't make criticisms. I do that all the time, but I have to be careful that I don't undermine people's confidence in the system. After all, what's the alternative? You don't have any is the alternative. You have the system that you've been given by our forefathers, by our ancestors. We have to make it work. We don't have any alternative to it. We will make it work. Okay. Uh Well, one of those looming alternatives, I'm afraid, is minority rule. Let's talk about that for a second. Some very keen observers of the American scene are very seriously worried about the recent influx of powerful politicians that are determined to use our democratic institutions to replace those very institutions with a dictatorship 
a dictatorship based on minority rule. Do you share their concern? Could we become a kind of a banana republic of the North? Well, of course we could, but we won't. I don't think we look. I believe you have to have a fundamental confidence in the people of this country. They are good people. They want to go to work every day. They want to raise their families. They want to have a government that works. And that's what you have to support. Now, this isn't any magic. This isn't anything new. It's just to say we have to do the same thing we've done for 200 years. Make the system work. Do I believe in the death of democracy? No, I do not. Do I believe that minority rule will run one day control of the United States? No, I do not. Will they have their victories? Of course they will have some victories. Politicians are always going to make try to make the system work to their advantage. That's okay most of the time, but they can cross the line. We have to be vigilant. What's the phrase? Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Absolutely right. Eternal vigilance. That means you have to have monitors. That means you have to keep track of what's going on. And it means you have to enter the fray whenever you see a threat to democracy. Will we always agree on what those threats are? No, of course not. We won't always agree. But the fact that we can take up the, the, the challenge of making the country work, even though we have a very, very different ideas of how it works, the fact we can take it up and debate it, get it out into the open, that's the strength, the health, the vitality of democracy. That's what we have to keep going. Okay, well, of course, an important element in this struggle that you've just outlined is Congress. And a lot of people think that the present Congress is rather dysfunctional. Now, I'm sure you know better than anybody else here that every Congress has had its share of conflict, but this Congress seems downright endangered. How do you compare this time with your time in Congress? How did we get where we are now to the point where some dissidents are ready to actually pull down the Capitol, literally, with the apparent approval of some members of Congress? We felt when I was in the Congress, and by we, I meant Republicans and Democrats, uh, the members of the Congress of all parties. I think we all felt that we had a responsibility to make the system work, that we could have our individual views, but at the end of the day, we had to see that the country was solving its problem. I believe that's the underlying assumption you must have to work with. We can make this system work. And we base that on the marvelous history of our country and its achievements. So we've got a lot going for us. Now, there are a lot of politicians who would probably contest what I've just said. It's not in word then they would work against what I've just said by seeking some kind of minority rule. But I do not believe the American people will accept that over a period of time. I don't think they have in the past. 
I don't think they will in the future. I don't think they should. Well, another important element in this whole mix is our election system. And many election officials recently have endured actual physical threats that are motivated by that big lie about a stolen presidential election. Now, some of these officials have had just about enough. And even in deep red states like Florida, you're seeing local officials starting to warm the big lie mongers to cease and desist. Do you find this strength encouraging? I do indeed. I applaud those officials. I think they're in both parties. And uh, without that voice, we'd be in deep, deep, deep trouble, more so than we are today. Do I want these minority voices to cease and desist? I do indeed. All right, that's good. Now, another crucial element, of course, is the vote. Let's talk about the endangered vote for a while. In a guest column for the AL Times last July, you commented adversely on voting rights in America. You said, and I'll quote, right now it's looking like as a nation we're on a determined march backward to put people in authority who can tilt rules and regulations in their party's favor, end quote. Can you explain what you mean by this? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I don't remember the exact circumstances that caused that quote. Uh, one of the problems is when you talk too much, people culture, and you have to defend it sometime later. I can't defend that because I don't remember the circumstances right now. But the, look, the idea is clear. We have to protect the right to vote. And we have to make sure that we register and turn our voters or the system will not work. That's the basic point. And look, my goodness, what an extraordinary system we have had. I can't name any other government that has had the success that we've had in the, in the United States. I don't mean to be arrogant about that. I don't want to be arrogant about it. But it is a remarkable achievement. And we have to make sure that this nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We don't need to be told how, what that means. We know what it means. We know it means the strength of democracy. Now look, this is a great, big, complicated country. You have thousands of precincts. You have all kinds of difficult issues. You have the big cities. You have the rural areas. You have the east and the west, the north and the south. Making this country with all of its diversity, with all of its grandeur, with all of its challenges and problems is no easy task. Nobody ever said it was. If they did say it, they were dead wrong. But we've got to keep working at the fundamentals that we all know are basic. And that's what makes the country go forward. We have okay. to have a, a, a sense of optimism, uh, not excessive, but a sense of optimism that we've got the right formula here. We just got to make it work. Does it have times when it doesn't work? Of course, it does. Most of the time it does. And we've got to make sure it works most of the time. You're listening to Civic Conversations on the WFHB Local News. 
we are currently listening to former Congressman Lee Hamilton speak about the state of our democracy with Civic Conversations host Jim Allison. Civic Conversation airs each month on WFHB Community Radio. We turn back to Jim Allison for more. Well, I have to say that a lot of people think that the state legislatures aren't exactly holding up their, their end of this bargain. What do you make of so many state legislatures that are doing their level best to discourage voting? In our own state, a civic health index bearing your name was published a couple of years ago by a partnership of universities and judges and attorneys. And this report identified our very own Indiana as alarmingly low in voter registration and voter turnout. What can we do about this? Well, we can identify it for sure and work to correct it. Look, there are always going to be politicians who will use the system to strengthen their views as to who should be calling the shots in the country. That's natural. It's going to happen. And there's going to be people who will try to undermine, if you will, the system and replace it with the system where the people that vote are only the ones they want to vote. Uh, my goodness, what a world that would be. Uh, we cannot allow that to happen. We have to be exercising eternal vigilance, if you will, as is now, I think the founding fathers said, in order to assure a representative democracy going forward. Okay. It's not a hard case to make that we should have representative democracy. Look at the progress the country has made under it. Indeed. Now, I've been kind of hard on Congress, but, you know, I take heart from the fact that the U.S. Congress is actually pushing back very hard on this thing. The House passed, as you know, H.R. 1, which was just chock full of reforms designed to encourage voting. Vote by mail, Election Day is a national holiday, and lots and lots more. It's a great it's a great piece of work, I thought, by Congress. And there's companion legislation in the form of S-2747, which, of course, is stalled in the Senate. But it might be freed up by setting aside the filibuster. Should the filibuster, in your opinion, be reformed to pass such an important thing as voting legislation? Yes, of course. The filibuster is a departure from representative democracy. It is a barrier to voting, and we should not permit it. I want a system that permits every difficult national, political, economic issue that our country confronts. I want a system that will permit a vote on those issues. Now, there are a lot of politicians who don't agree with that. And you have to separate the ones you like and the ones you don't. That's up to each individual citizen as to how they do it. But I would hope that they would understand that the uh, country's future depends on whether we can keep the fundamentals of our faith, if you would, our political faith intact and make them work. Okay, let's finish up by talking a little bit about the American ideal. Ever since that January 6th insurrection we saw, we've seen continued support for the big lie. What impact does this have on our democracy? And what happens when Congress simply ignores those warning signs? 
Well, look, the, you speak about the American ideal. That's exactly the thing we should be speaking about. And the, we all know what the American ideal is with regard to the political system. It's in the Declaration of Independence. It's in the Constitution. It's in the performance of government over a period of decades and yeah, even uh, generations. The American ideal. What is the American ideal? Well, it's an ideal that respects people. That's the fundamental point. You have to have a deep-seated confidence in your fellow citizens. You have to respect them. And you have to demand that they respect you. There has to be a little element of tolerance here, obviously. Not only for your view, you clearly be tolerant of that, but you have to be tolerant of views that you don't like, so long as it's in the bounds of our democratic representative government. So American values are fundamental. It's, but at the heart of it, it is the fundamental decency of people. I said at one point that I believe the American people are good people. I believe they have decent instincts. I believe they want their fellow citizens to have the same opportunities they have. They may not agree with them in a lot of ways, but they believe in these fundamentals of the system. That underlying belief that most Americans, in my view at least, have by a very solid majority is absolutely fundamental to the, the functioning of our representative democracy and absolutely essential to the future of our nation. Whether this nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure, that is the absolute right question in Lincoln's day, it's the right question today, and we must never, ever let that question fade away. Well, amen to that. Now, on October 1st, I went out to pick up my morning paper, and I saw that the Herald Times had asked you a question in that issue of the paper, and the question was this, quote, what does it mean to be an American, end quote? And you said that our basic need was to, again, quoting you, to use the political system to resolve our fundamental challenges, end quote. But we're so polarized now politically. What could we do in Indiana to approach more closely that American ideal? The church had it right. He was asked about questions, of basic questions like you're asking now. And his response was, we have to jaw, jaw, jaw. That's what we have to do. We have to talk through these problems with our fellow citizens. And believe you me, it's a tough job. I've tried it for decades. But all of us have to do. Um, you, you, how do you solve a problem without talking about it? How do you solve a problem with your fellow citizens without talking about it? Some people want to sweep it under the rug. Some people 
who can talk about what they want to talk about. And they don't want to listen to the other guy. Well, those, all of those pressures and many more undermine our system. Democracy depends on people being able to express themselves, to get their views out, to defend those views, to articulate them, to define the problem, and come up with solutions to it. And you have to make sure that the system permits all of that to happen. Very good. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Congressman Lee Hamilton. Thanks for listening to us, to our radio audience on Civic Conversations. This is Jim Allison of the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County. The League is a nonpartisan grassroots citizen organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage everyone in the decisions that impact us all. Next month, I hope you can join us when we talk to Professor Scott Shackelford, we'll be talking about the about election security. Thank you. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 